All right. How is it going, everyone? Thank you again for tuning in to Forward Thinking for another episode. If you don't know, Forward Thinking is a podcast where we bring on guests where they talk about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. And today, we have an amazing guest on with us, Stacy Ferreira, the CEO and founder of Forge. Stacy, how's it going? Going pretty well. How about yourself? Thanks so much for having me on today. Yeah, 100%. I'm doing pretty good. Just enjoying a beautiful, beautiful afternoon in Phoenix, Arizona. It's, it's the, probably the best weather we've had in like a couple of weeks. So feeling good right now. How's the weather where you're at right now? It's great. I'm actually out here in Southern California today, and uh, it's been a rainy week, but today it is beautiful and sunny outside, so no complaints. That's the best feeling when it, it, it rains for a few days, and like I personally like the rain, but the first day after a long rainstorm or after a long monsoon uh, where it gets sunny and it, just, it smells like rain, but there's no cloud in the sky, there's nothing really like that feeling. Completely agree. I was going to say, it's. Uh, I feel like you've got to have some of the rain so that you can appreciate the sun, but then it's just so nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. So aside from weather, which is always, which is generally good in Phoenix in the winter and always, I feel like very often good in California, what some other things going on with you is you, you have a company, you, you are the CEO and, and founder of Forge. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, definitely. So at Forge, um, we build what we call talent sharing technology. So it allows businesses, particularly businesses with hourly employees, retail, restaurants, hotels, to partner together in the same geographic area to share employees. So um, we got a lot of malls, for example, that use our software where retailers within malls will share talent so that if you work at you know, one retail store, you can actually just download our app, see all the other jobs that are available in that mall, um, and then go pick up some shifts at other places in the mall as well. That is awesome. So it's a kind of like a managing flexible workforce to, to, in, in a way. How did you come up with that idea? Like how, how did you get started with that? What interests you with that model? Yeah, definitely. So got started with it um, briefly. So this is actually my second company. My background's in technology. I started and sold an internet security business. After that, published a book called 2 Billion Under 20, all about um, kind of the millennial generation. And one of the big things that was really fascinating to me as I was going through that process of kind of interviewing folks in our generation about the future was that a lot of people started saying that they wanted a little bit more flexibility and autonomy in the hours that they worked. And they wanted a lot more variety in the work that they did. So people didn't want to necessarily sit nine to five, um, you know, in a cubicle, people wanted to be um, kind of doing different things every day, a different challenge. And most importantly, they wanted flexibility. And that was kind of the underlying initial thesis with Forge, which was, could we build software that allowed folks working hourly jobs to have flexibility, to be able to pick and choose their own hours so that they could, you know, uh, be there for family and friends if they wanted to, or go take a trip when they wanted to, and they weren't kind of chained to a schedule from their managers. So that's kind of how the company started and over time realized that the majority of our users were actually working multiple jobs. And so very quickly our kind of flexible scheduling software that allowed employees to pick and choose shifts um, 
we realized, hey, people are actually working these multiple jobs. So why don't we allow them to pick and choose shifts, but um, across multiple places that they might be interested in working or are already working. So the company's kind of evolved, technology's kind of evolved. Um, and now we help not only on the scheduling side of things, making sure that an hourly employee schedules never conflict at the two places that they work, but also um, giving them the opportunity to see other places that are looking for more employees as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're definitely tapping into a, a growing trend of, of freelancers on the rise. I, I'm curious, uh, like we'll definitely touch more into this later in, in this episode, but would you call this kind of this growth of independent contractors of people working multiple gigs for you? Is it the gig economy? Is it the freelance economy? Is it the service economy? Like what would you call this, this uh, trend from uh, moving from nine to five jobs into moving to something where it's more flexible and you have multiple gigs? Like what would you call this that's happening right now to work? Yeah, it's really fascinating because you're right. There's a million names for it. People have a bunch of different things. Um, I think, you know, Gig economy is is a good word for it. I think when you read articles that have been published about the quote-unquote gig economy, there's kind of a lot of negative connotations, I think, that come along with that today in some ways. Um, I think service economy is is interesting. In some ways, yes. Um, you know, these, these people are providing a, a service. Um, so I think that's accurate, but you know, everyone does that in any business. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of names for it. I think gig economy, if we could get rid of some of the negative connotations associated with it, I think is very accurate. People are working um, you know, knowingly or unknowingly more jobs than they ever have today. If you think about all the kind of projects that people are involved in, um, not only the thing that pays the bills. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that has kind of, birth the, the ability to even have something called the gig economy is uh, sites like YouTube and Udacity and Udemy, which allow people to, while they're working their nine to five, learn these skills on the side or just uh, like free up their time to learn other things so they can, instead of working this just single job, they're able to take some of their skills or some of their, their individual um, things that they've learned over the past several years and just apply it to multiple gigs. And I think it's, I think it's fascinating. And I think it's, definitely the future of work, uh, which makes me excited to see that you're, I mean, like you have a, you have a company that is just riding this massive wave and you're like, how, like, I'm curious, like uh, you obviously know this wave, wave, you know what, you, you know, you're riding it. So how far do you want to, do you think this can go? Like, like, tell me about your vision for, for Forge, like, like 10, 10 years, 15 years from now, where do you think Forge is going to be? And where do you think it'll be within the whole landscape of the future of work? Yeah, so I'll kind of I'll start with my vision for the future of work because I think that's uh, that's kind of important to to understand that first. Um, so for me, I think uh, you know with technology, I think the future of work is a lot more flexible. So I think people will be able to have a lot more control over choosing exact hours of when they work, um, the locations that they work in some cases. So I think the future is a lot more flexible in those senses. I think we'll get um, better kind of what I would call skills and passions optimization. And what I mean by that is I think um, we're kind of moving to a point, at least here in the United States, where you don't have to necessarily work on something that you don't like today. There's a lot of opportunity out there. Um, lowest unemployment rate kind of 
in, in a long time here in the United States. There's a lot of opportunity, a lot of jobs. Um, it's kind of a, uh, an individual's market if you could say that, to go and get a job. So I think we're going to have more people working for companies that they're actually interested in working for, jobs that they're actually passionate about, um, topics that they want to contribute to. I think we'll see uh, kind of people moving more towards those types of jobs. Um, and I think where, where we kind of fit in with that is what we want to do is really help in, in a few ways. One is obviously give that flexibility. So our underlying software is flexible scheduling. Um, so we want to give employees the ability to pick exactly when they're working um, so that they can, again, like be there for their kid's baseball game or, um, you know, hang out with friends when they want to hang out with friends and not be, not be stuck to a schedule that a manager hands them once a week. So I think we fit into that flexibility component. And 58% of the American population works an hourly job. So the vision for Forge is really to help all of those 58% um, get that flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's awesome. I mean, I think that's everyone would, would wants and probably needs a little more flexibility in their nine to five because um, everyone has other commitments outside of that. So I think that's great. In terms of the, in terms of the future, so you you obviously have spent a, a lot of time thinking about the future of work. Um, is there other other industries or other sectors that you think impact the future of work? Let's say 10, 15 years from now, like if you think about education or healthcare, government, et cetera, how do you think the future of work will impact some of these other industries or how do the, some of these other industries impact the future of work? Are they related? Yeah, you know, the older I get, the more you realize that everything is kind of interconnected. And the, the education that we have and that we're kind of giving to kids today very much impacts um, the future and the way that people do work. Like a, a very quick example of this, right, is like you can sort of start to see this trend where previously in history, people would go to college for um, – you know, four years, and then they'd graduate from college. I'm talking more like maybe my parents' generation. They'd go to college for four years, graduate from college. Most of them like use that college degree in the job that they're doing. And then I'll give like an anecdote in the case of my parents, use that college degree and the job that they're doing for basically their entire career. And my parents worked maybe three jobs. Um, they'll probably retire in the next few years, but all of those jobs were pretty much using the degree that they got. And when you think about our generation now and the way that we learn, um, it, as you mentioned just a few minutes ago, a lot of it is online learning or self-directed learning in a lot of ways, right? People aren't necessarily getting everything that they learn from a classroom today. They're turning to YouTube. They're turning to Udemy. They're um, listening to podcasts on things that they're interested in. And I think because we've got that access through a changing education system and changing the way that uh, this information is kind of disseminated, um, people are applying that in work in a very different way. So now when you've got the ability to kind of learn a million different things and then next year change it up and learn a new skill, um, people want to use those skills. So we see people job hopping a little bit more as well um, to be able to maybe capitalize on the fact that they've learned this awesome thing. So I think education very much ties into the future of work. Um, and then, you know, one of the big things that we talk a lot about at Forge is also the, the health benefits component, right? 
Um, I think healthcare has a massive impact on the future of work as well, um, because I think one of the biggest things when we talk about this gig economy that kind of hinders this gig economy is that question of, okay, well, where do the benefits come from? And one of the great benefits of working for a large corporation today in the States is that most of the time you qualify for healthcare if you're working over a certain number of hours per week. Um, and so I see healthcare kind of radically changing as well and that changing the future of work too, because it'll free up, um, if we can kind of decouple healthcare from the individual job, it'll free up people to have more of a gig style life, um, contributing to the projects that their skill sets actually match to and that they actually want to do. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, I, I fully agree that, um, if I, like, if I were answering that question, I would also say education and healthcare. I have a question diving into healthcare just a little bit, just a, a little deeper, because that's fascinating because, you have you have this these large amount of people that are starting to work multiple gigs and may not have that benefit from one employer, and that's it's right now getting healthcare for anyone is hard, but it's really it's really hard if you're an independent contractor or someone not getting that from an employer. So, do you think that that is going to change from like a top down approach? Will it swell from the bottom up? Like how how have you have any thoughts on how you think? the future of work, the future, uh, like the, ten, the 1099s, the contractors, the people that don't have employers to give it to them. Um, do you know how that's going to end up? So I think there are two, two ways that it happens. One is, uh, you know, a private company comes in and somehow offers um, affordable health care. Uh, I mean, to do that, you really need it. If you're going to be a private business, economies of scale to some extent, like Costco or Walmart might be able to offer better benefits than a mom and pop shop is simply because of that scale. Um, or, and, or, you know, you need government in some way to step in and, um, and help out from a cost perspective on the healthcare side of things. And, you know, I think it could go, could go either way. Um, with Forge, that's one of the things that we think a lot about, which is, uh, we want to get to a place in our business where we can actually offer healthcare to folks working through our network. Basically say, Hey, if you, we don't care where you're working hours, but as long as you're working through the forge network, you qualify for affordable healthcare um, and hope that we'll be able to get to a point with enough scale where we could do that cost effectively to still operate our business um, profitably. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, the the company or group of companies that that is able to figure that out as you said at scale is going to be um it's going to change everything really for for everyone participating in the future of work which is everybody so that's fantastic yeah. i'm going to jump back to education and then after education we'll go a little deeper into the future of work itself but in terms of education i yeah i mean i agree with you it's kind of becoming skills based is more important than having um, a, a degree. So have you given thought to what this means for, for the hundreds and thousands of universities that, that kind of thrive off of, or just survive off of um, these students coming to them, paying their tuition? Like what happens to the, the general four-year university? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think the big thing that it means is they've got to radically change the way that they're offering services today, right? And the university service is um, in a lot of cases, coursework to educate and um, 
you know, they're providing professors for people to learn from. And I think one of the big things that's really fascinating about this changing university model is that today you can watch a YouTube video from someone who's arguably a lot more qualified than the person who's teaching the class in the classroom setting, which I think is a unique, um, unique benefit that our generation has with technology today. But to your point, how does a university compete with that? And I think universities are gonna to have to start thinking about what's their competitive advantage truly and how do they kind of bring that out? And I think one of the big competitive advantages that these universities have is, um, you know, you probably hear it all the time, right? People say, oh, I don't really remember all the things that I learned in college, but I, um, I remember the people. And I think um, universities are gonna to have to get much better at connecting people and kind of fostering those relationships that'll help people throughout their career um, if, if they kind of wanna, wanna stick around. And then I think there will be a focus on, again, you know, how can universities train people for a skill rather than just getting that piece of paper and walking across the stage. And um, you've probably seen a bunch of this, right? But like all these coding boot camps and things are popping up where now they're starting to say, hey, uh, you know, money back guarantee in the sense that if you don't get a job after mm -hmm. 90 days or six months of going through our coding boot camp, we'll give you the $10,000 back or whatever it was to go through the boot camp. And I think that also starts to radically change universities in the sense that um, that kind of cost dynamic is, is a little bit different, right? No longer will you have to pay 20, 30, in some cases, $60,000 to go to university per year. Um, I think that'll dramatically change as well. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think that's 100% right. I mean, I think the, the, the smartest universities uh, will end up um, in the long term partnering with one of these new type of um, either boot camps or something like Lambda School, which I think is pretty incredible. And they will kind of make sure they're not irrelevant because they're partnered with the with the ones on the rise. But I do think there's going to be many universities that reject this like, kind of skills-based education and reject the gig economy that kind of suffer the consequences of rejecting reality. So I think that that's very interesting. So going back to the, the future of work, why did you, like, why, what about the future of work made you want to get into it? Like, what were some of the people or who were some of the companies that inspired you to hop in and, and ride this massive wave? Yeah, so really, um, you know, the thing that inspired me, the first thing that was kind of the catalyst was when I was going through publishing the book Two Billion Under 20, um, I just became really fascinated with like, why do people choose the work that they choose to do? It's something people spend arguably more time working than they spend with family or friends or than they spend doing anything else, right? You work, most people work at least five days a week um, maybe four or five days a week and you work, you know, eight hours a day. So you're working a ton. And a big question that I had was, all right, why are people choosing to do the work that they're doing? And became really, really fascinated in getting people's answers to that question of like, how did you choose your career path? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? What things would you want to change if you could change anything? Um, so that initially got me curious. And then um, in particular, I got interested in kind of the, the hourly workspace um, because I did some work in a nursing home when I was in high school. 
So I kind of had a little bit of experience with that um, myself, but then my best friend Casey also worked in retail and she kind of told me all about some of the challenges of working an hourly job when it comes to um, just scheduling and logistics and then paying the bills. Right. So if you're working, I think minimum wage in the United States is seven twenty-five an hour, seven dollars and twenty-five cents. Um, and I became really fascinated with like, how do you, how do you make a living if you're working an hourly job, um, especially if you're working part time or working multiple jobs, and then how does that impact the rest of your life? So um, kind of a long way to answer, but I guess you know the the way that I got into it um, was really by asking questions of the people around me and just being really fascinated with people's lives in general and how they chose to, to live them and spend their time. Very cool. Yeah, I can definitely, definitely relate, relate to that. When thinking of the future of work, what other companies, institutions, people um, do you see that are working on it now um, or have been working on it for several years that you think are going to um, have an outsized effects or impact on the future of work. Yeah, definitely. I think we've already kind of seen it in some unexpected places, right? So um, I think some of the obvious ones are your Ubers, your Lyfts, your DoorDashes, even Amazon Flex, you know, these businesses that empower people to kind of pick and choose the hours that they work, I think have shifted the narrative. And that's kind of powerful because when you think about um, the future of work, you know, Uber never really started a company saying, hey, I want to change the future of work. They started a, a transportation company and said, we want to change the way that people get from point A to point B. And that inherently has changed the way that we think about work, which I think is fascinating. Um, so I think there are some companies like that. And then there are also companies, and I know we've kind of mentioned them earlier, but like freelancer.com and Upwork um, and even companies like TaskRabbit that have really pioneered um, this new way of working. And I think those companies have already done wonders in kind of building that narrative um, for what the future of work starts to look like. And then I think the companies that I think will be most influential um, Honestly, I think a lot of them will be companies that are just now being born. The companies that people are starting like a Forge or um, like uh, any of these other companies that are doing anything around skills and uptraining um, of folks. I think those companies are still emerging and there's still a lot of opportunity in this space. Do you see the inherent like backlash against technology right now, specifically Silicon Valley and the, the whole world as a potential uh, deterrent of the future of work. Uh, like there's, there's many people that, that don't really trust Facebook and Google and even Apple and, and the future of work is kind of built on the back of technology. Do you think that will get in the way of its natural progression and adoption? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. Um, I think my default answer would be, I don't. I think that, um, you know, history tends to move forward and, and progress. And I think we're in a place now in the world where, um, for better or for worse, we need technology to do that. Um, and I think that, yeah, there's maybe in the media some negative backlash on technology, but overall, um, when you think about how we interact with technology, um, you know, it's, it's everywhere in our day-to-day -day lives, right? We're recording this on a laptop. Everyone 
um, has probably got some type of mobile device. Even if you're, you know, opening a fridge to get something out of it, technically you could call that technology. Um, it's kind of all around us, and I think we we need it, and it keeps pushing forward. Um, like we keep developing it, and we see the benefits of it that kind of outweigh maybe some of the negatives. So I don't. I don't know that I see it necessarily hindering it. Um, I think it's right for people to be skeptical of it and ask questions, um, but I think it'll continue to continue to move forward. People will continue building new technologies that'll help people work smarter, faster, better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if that's the the three outcomes of 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 what's being built now it's hard to to stop that train so i definitely get that i want to bounce back to one thing that you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation which which i agree with you were saying when we were talking about the gig economy the service economy we like i i know and you mentioned this that the gig economy kind of has gotten a bad rap um for for various reasons can you die dive into why you think it has gotten uh, kind of a bad reputation and what is needed what needs to happen in order for it to to get past that bad reputation and become a little more mainstream and a little more adopted among uh the early and the early adopters and the late adopters yeah so i think there are kind of two main things that i see with the bad rap around the gig economy one is um i think there's like this inherent stigma around people job hopping um or there was. I think this is an, an attitude that is shifting. I think previously, um, people used to think, hey, you know, if you work for one company for your entire career, that's amazing. You're loyal, you're um, bought into the company, and you kind of stuck it out. And that's something that I think a lot of people historically have put kind of a badge of honor on. Um, and so this idea that someone's going to go and get a new job every two years, every three years, or every year, um, I think has kind of had this inherent stigma on it. And the fact that this kind of quote unquote gig economy is giving people a new job or a new task, you know, sometimes by, by the day or by even the hour, um, I think is a little bit interesting for people who have this mentality that you go and work for a company for, you know, 10 years and that's how you make a living. So I think that's kind of one thing is we've got this, um, previous kind of bias towards what work should look like. And I think that that is radically changing. I think now when you think about like white collar jobs, right? A lot of times if people don't move around now, there's starting to be this question, um, that people have, which is, you know, are they really taking their career seriously? Are they trying to move up the ladder? Are they trying to learn more things or not? Are they a go-getter? So I think we're starting to see that attitude change. Um, but I think there is still some of that stigma there. And then the other thing that I really see as kind of problematic with the gig economy is this big question around healthcare that I know we touched on a little bit earlier. But um, for anyone who's listening who might have their own healthcare that's not um, kind of sponsored by a company that they work for, you know how expensive it is when you're not um, getting part of it subsidized by an employer. And so I think that's another big question, which is there's this negativity that comes with the gig economy, quote unquote, um, because if you're driving for Uber or for Lyft, um, you know, you're not getting healthcare from your employer and it's expensive on its own. 
And sometimes it's not the best healthcare that you maybe could be getting if you are doing it on your own. And so I think that kind of also attaches the stigma to it where a lot of people are starting to question, you know, is this a good thing if we've got all these people who don't have, um, either don't have healthcare or don't have great healthcare, how does that impact the future of just society and living in general if you have people who don't have access to um, information and healthcare to make them uh, live a healthier lifestyle? Yeah, both both very uh, fascinating and, and valid points. I want to dive into your first one. Um, I, I want to share like I, something that really interests me about the future of work is this relationship between um, the traditional agency and now the, the the digital nomad or like that like thereof, where people um, have learned skills, creative skills on Udemy, on YouTube, and then have gone out and, and started their own mini agencies with like five to fifteen customers, and now they travel the world and whatnot, or they just stay at home. But this, um, for the first time, like 150 years since yeah, traditional agencies have been around, they kind of have some some quality competition, and that's the internet combined with with young people that want to live life on their terms. And uh, I think that in itself is frowned upon by, by many, by maybe the older generations of oh, these kids are just just traveling around all the time and they're, they're, they're not working. But in reality, like you're right, it's just like work that work is shifting, and it's it's. Like I, I'm happy and very excited to be part of it, and and I know you're excited to be part of it too. So I have one last question about uh, less about the future of work and more just about the future in general. So you you've done a lot with your uh, with your um, time like on Earth so far. Like how old are you? Are you you're you're like 25, 26? Yep, I'm 26. Yeah. 26. Um, if like if you're listening, you you know that this podcast doesn't really dive so much into uh, the the background of someone. It goes more into forward looking um, and see what's in their mind. But I would encourage all of you to look into what Stacy has done with her 26 years on Earth. She's done a lot, and and you've seen a lot, and you and you've already built the future in a way, and you continue to build the future every day. So to someone who's listening, whether they're 26 or or 18 or 34 or whatever the age is who wants to help build a future and impact thousands hundreds tens millions of people what advice would you give them if they wanted to just impact the future what would you say yeah I think um the biggest piece of advice would just be you know have a vision for the future and I think this podcast is great for that you know you've you've got to kind of think about what do you want the future to look like so have a vision for it but then the most important part of building the future is, you know, taking one small step every single day towards building that. Um, and that's the biggest thing in, in my own life that I've tried to do, which is, you know, I've got this vision for what I think the future will look like and how my company plays a role in that. But then for me personally, um, you know, how do I execute on that every single day in one small way to make sure that we're inching our, ourselves forward and getting closer to that. Um, so if it's just, you know, write down what's the one thing that you're going to accomplish towards that vision every day, and then just get that one thing done, um, you'll be so much, so much farther ahead towards achieving that. 
All right. Well, you all heard it from Stacy first. I appreciate you all tuning in to the Forward Thinking Podcast, and I look forward to giving you another fantastic episode next week. Thanks for tuning in, and hope you have a great day. Bye, everyone.